MSW Media. Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spell, it's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking, but this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Cheers, everyone. I'm Dan Dunn, and what we're drinking this episode is Bent Wing. That's a new brandy from the folks at Hangar One. You know Hangar One. They make vodka. Well, now they make brandy. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes with my special guest, Emmy-winning writer, comedian, Tom Coltabiano, is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, I want to get you up to speed on what's happening in the wwd sphere. Okay. Got an email from a guy named Len regarding our previous episode where my guest Zane Lamprey and I drank Harvey Wallbangers. Uh, this is the first cocktail that I ever had in a bar, and Len wrote, Can't remember the exact first drink I ever had, but pretty sure it was some kind of vodka. Can you do a show about that? And yes, Len, I'm happy to report I will do a show about some kind of vodka just for you. Also got an Instagram message from David Marlin 18 regarding Zane Lamprey. Uh, David Marlin wrote, always thought you and Zane Lamprey were the same person. After listening to the show, I'm now convinced of it. Which, of course, is silly. How could I be Zane Lamprey when everyone knows he's left-handed? All right, so if you got any questions or comments, you can go to dunnetheimbiber.com. That's D-U-N-N-T-H-E-I-M-B-I. B-E-R, dunneyandbiber.com. Leave a message for me there, or you can hit me up on the Instagram, and that's at the imbiber, T-H-E-I-M-B-I-B-E-R. To imbibe is to drink, hence the imbiber. Okay, I got uh, some stuff to tell you about this week, some new wines. I know people are asking me for recommendations, stuff to drink, so this is like hot off the presses stuff that you should be drinking Get a pen and paper handy. So here's what I'm digging. Uh, I know it's summertime, and everybody wants rosé or white wine, and and, and that's great. But I got to tell you, I love red wine, and I'll drink it all year long, okay? And I'm a big fan of uh, BV, which is Beaulieu Vineyard, and that's a uh, – it means beautiful place. It's a a classic vineyard up in Napa Valley in the Rutherford section up there. And uh, they just came out, just hot off the presses, just out with their 2015 – uh, BV George Dillatour Private Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, good news is just came out. Bad news is it's about one hundred and forty-five dollars a bottle, but you're worth it. You really are. And uh, this is uh, this res- uh, Private Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon is kind of considered the first cult wine from Napa. It first came out in in nineteen forty. It was named after the uh, founders 
uh, George De La Tour is named after him. And uh, it is a rich and complex, big, big, dark, cherry, raspberry, Napa Valley cab. And I love it. And it's worth 145 bucks. But if you don't have that to spend, they also, BB just came out with a 2015 tapestry. Is it tapestry? How would you pronounce that? Kenzie's looking at me. You don't know. You don't know. Ta- tapestry? Tapestry. Okay, we'll go with that. Tapestry. It is tapestry, I think. Yeah, tapestry reserve. Only $65 a bottle, and that's a Bordeaux-style blend uh, made with grapes from all over Napa Valley, Rutherford, Carneros, uh, and other parts there. Okay, if you want to go with a rosé, and people dig rosé, right, Mackenzie, this time of year? Yeah, she's nodding again. Uh, at this time of year, people love rosé, and there's a new one called Sosi, and that's from Sonoma, uh, Bennett Valley, and they just re- released this one called Rosé of Syrah, 2017. It's 25 bucks. It's got that carper, uh, the copper sort of orange color that's hot right now. It's made from Syrah. And if you're familiar with wine, you would expect that to be a, like a bold and fruity wine. But this one's got a lot of nuance to it. There's tart cherry in it, strawberries, nectarines. Um, it's also a low to no intervention winery, which means they, when you go in, they never tell you that you need to stop drinking. No, that's not true. Low to no intervention means that they're using native fermentations. They're not adding any acid or enzymes, tannin, or anything else like that. It's just natural, man, like me. Did I mention I'm not wearing any clothes right now? I'm not, because yeah, this is how I like to do the show. Uh, they let the fruit speak for themselves. It's Sosi, and I think you're going to like what the fruit has to say. And finally, or maybe it's not finally, but we have another one. Uh, this is called Skaya. Skaya. Okay, and this is a rosé too, but it's only $14. And it's S-C-A-I-A, 2018 Rosado. It's a 100% Rondinella, which is a grape that's made over in the Valpicello region of Italy, which is where this wine comes from. Uh, This is a well-balanced, tangy, fresh, bright fruit rosé sipping on the the porch. You're going to, that's the kind of, and again, 14 bucks. Can't beat it. And finally, we're going to get really classy. Wine in a can, okay? Wine in a can is a thing. It is a thing now. Uh, you, you probably see people walking around the streets with wine in a can. I do, in Venice, where I live. Uh, so Bonterra Organic Vineyards is making really tasty canned wines, and they just introduced a Sauvignon Blanc, a Rosé, and a Young Red. They come in 250-milliliter cans, four packs, 20 bucks. Well, actually, it's 19.99 is what they said, and, and I don't understand that. Like, who are they fooling? It's twenty bucks. It says nineteen ninety nine suggested retail price. That's twenty bucks. All right. Anyway, I'm going to put all these wines up on my website, donetheimbiber.com. You can go there uh, and check it out and uh, and and buy those wines. They're really good. Okay. Now, without further ado, I teased you earlier. He is a uh, he won some Emmys writing for a show called Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, he has been in movies. He performs stand-up comedy all over the world. He's a world-class photographer as well and a baker of bread. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the show, Tom Caltabiano. Tom, how are you? Thank you, Dan, for that lovely introduction. I'm, I'm very good. Yeah. And I, I, love, I, love, um, I love everything you were saying before. I listened to it on the drive-in. Yeah. As you were, oh, actually, I was sitting in the room. Uh, trying to get it. Uh, Pretend like uh, you weren't here. Yeah. Uh, no, I just, well, 
it was very interesting. Thank you, man. Yeah, this, hey, by yes. the way, we have a, a drink here in front of us, and I want to cheers you for coming on the show. This is a uh, this is a Negroni made with the Bent Wing brandy that I talked about earlier in the show. So substituting substituting brandy for the gin. The okay. gin. So we've got gin, Campari, and sweet vermouth so in this drink. It's so let's have almost like a Boulevardier. Substituting that would be with whiskey, though. Yeah. With whiskey, exactly. With- so the base drink is a Negroni, which is gin, Campari, sweet vermouth, Boulevardier, whiskey, Campari, sweet vermouth, and this is we got to name it something. That so the, is, oh yeah. So I want to tell you, Tom, why bent wing brandy is what we're talking about today. Okay, so how my job works is I get invited to go to press trips. Visit distilleries, visit wineries, and it's a it's a good gig. It really and what, is. What, what is a press trip? Since so I'd never heard of it. Uh, exactly. So this particular press trip was uh, uh, Hangar One. You know the vodka yes. you drink it all the time. The Hangar One is up in Alameda, Oakland area. Okay, north and of Los Angeles, where north we are of now. Los Angeles, where we are, and so probably a two hour flight. Hour, not and even, hour flight. Yeah, yeah, about an hour. Yeah. yeah. So uh, when they introduced this brandy last month. They invited me to come up and check it out. And so they, we flew up there on a little twin-engine plane that flew out of here, out of Los Angeles, up to Oakland Airport. Now, I, the day we were going up there, there was some weather, and I knew there was going to be some weather. So it was bumpy. You know, a little tiny plane, Tom, like six people in there. You know, you're bouncing around. It was bumpy, but okay. So we land in Oakland. We go to the distillery and we drink for a few hours, right? Not the pilot. The, not the pilot. I don't think he was drinking. I don't know. But here's the part. Like, this is where things got a little bit dicey. So that night we were staying in Napa at a place called Meadowwood, which is really fantastic. It, it's one of the probably the nicest resort in Napa. They, sorry, they yep. have. I, I have been there. I, yep. I, I went there because I had a friend who has much more money than me who invited me there, and it was one of the most beautiful properties I've ever been to. Right, and they make wine there. Stunning. It's the, yeah. And they and they have a very high end restaurant as well. They do. It's the tip of luxury. It is of it Napa. It is. If you're going to treat yourself to a Napa trip and no holds barred, you you just go all in. Go to Meadowood. So. Meadowwood's about an hour drive from the Oakland airport. But because we were in doing this little private plane thing, somehow tied in, we were going to fly from Oakland to Napa, which is about a 12-minute flight. But, you know, the issue is by the time you're on the plane, but it's the same time. Sure. So I'm like, and it's a storm. So I'm like, why are we not driving? But okay, so we fly in, we make it, everything's good. We drink all night in Napa. And... The next day, we're going to go back. We're going to go back from the Napa airport to Oakland, drop off a few people, and then fly to L.A. Now, the next day, it's it's kind of like Armageddon in Napa. It looks... Storm-wise. Satan, short of seeing Satan in the sky, that's how bad it was, okay? So I'm thinking to myself, well, we're clearly we're not going to fly from Napa to to Oakland. We're going to drive to Oakland. Why risk get... a 12-minute flight? Exactly. And, and and again, what I'm, I also want to point out is the Napa airport is 45 minutes from Meadowwood. It's on the other side of the valley. That's why it made Even no closer. sense. Even made closer, no sense. Yeah. Okay. But we go anyway. 
and everybody, everybody's got a bad flight story. And I've been on probably a thousand planes. And I'm a good flyer. But I get to this airport. We're on this little plane. And we're just sitting on, on the tarmac and waiting for our turn to go. And I, Tom, you ever, it's, it's black and stormy and just looks like ominous death. Yeah. Right. I, and, and I, and I just kept thinking at some point, somebody's going to say, you know what, guys, let's get off the plane and get into an SUV and drive to Oakland. Yeah. But no, it's not happening. So, uh, so we're all on the plane. And again, we've been, we'd all been drinking the day before and there's a bunch of bartenders on the plane. And, um, and so we, nobody's feeling great. And then as we're about to take off the pilot, the thing that nobody wants when the pilot turns and he says, okay, everybody, I, I, I just need to warn you, uh, it's going to be rough, but don't worry, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through it, and it's a short flight, and it's going to, but, but just, you know, just hang on. But every fucking thing that I never want to hear when I'm sure. on a plane. And I'm in the, I'm right behind the pilot, so I can see everything right out the window, right out the the pilot, you know, the, the, the windshield, windshield. The front. Yeah. And so- here we go. And this is a twin-engine prop little plane. Little twin-engine prop This plane. isn't P. Diddy's no. G5. No. No. It's a little prop plane. plane a little prop plane. A that, gremlin yeah. could pop out on oh, the wing. Oh, yeah. 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 So so we uh, here we go. We, we start to go out. As soon as we lift off the ground, it's already really bumpy. And as we start to go up, we start to ascend, this cloud in front of me that looked like, you know, a smoker's lung. Yes. Okay, it was it was this black cloud. Yes, and we're going right at it. And all I'm thinking is, when's he gonna veer, veer off and go around? Because we're clearly not gonna go into this cloud. Right, we're not going into this cloud. Right, same thought Buddy Holly had. Yeah, exactly. Like he must see the cloud. I see it, and it's right in front of us. Right. So we go into the cloud. As soon as we get into the cloud, the plane drops. I'm talking like it felt like 50 feet. 200 feet. feet but, All of oh. our asses came off the sea. I mean, a collective scream in the plane. Right. Followed by the guy behind me throwing up. Oh. I hear him throw up and oh. I smell it, oh. which then almost triggers it in me. Right. And the it was like it was like God was shaking us like a yoo-hoo from hell, right? Like we're just we're in this cloud and the plane just and I'm 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 gripping the cup holder and I ha- actually had this thought probably for the first time in my life, I'm like, this is it. I'm going to fucking die on a fucking press trip. And and I hated, hated the people that put this trip yeah. together. I'm telling you now that I, I like them now. But yeah. at that moment, I hated them with every every fiber of See, my being. but you're not thinking rationally that you are saving 33 minutes in commute time. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. So, so anyway, needless to say, we did make it. It was the most harrowing flight of, of my yes. life. We made it to Oakland. We dropped off some people, flew down to LA. But wait, didn't when you land... So you get down. Is everyone like, why did we fl-? like? Are you oh, the only one that's outraged? Well, so most of the people, th- half the people, got off. They right. lived in San Francisco, so we had to get off and refuel, and they had to clean the puke out of the plane. Sure. Okay? So while that's going on, that storm that we just flew through is moving towards, towards Oakland. You. So one of the guys that was going to L.A. with us, we couldn't find him, and the pilot's going. Oh, by the way, this also happened. The pilot has a little iPad with the weather on there. It's got the chart, you know, the the colored chart yeah, of the. Yeah, yeah. So he's showing me, and he said, you know. There's green is turbulence, yellow is moderate to severe turbulence, and red is there's no fucking way we're going in there, not in this little plane. Right. Even in a big plane, you'd be Avoid. getting tossed around, yeah. right? So I said, well, what was what did we just go through? 
And he said, there's a solid yellow. Solid yellow. So severe yeah. turbulence. And uh, so anyway, we're, we're in Oakland waiting. Can't find this guy. I find him. He's on the other side of the hangar on some conference call. And he and I say, hey, hey, like, we got to go. And he gives me the finger like, oh, the, hold on a second. I go, no, yeah. no, no. Now. Because now, of the storm headed our way. I'm not doing this yes. again. Like I would have taken an Uber from Oakland to Los Angeles. Right. Like, there was no way if I saw that that cloud, that that black lung cloud that was following us. Yeah. If I would have seen that again, I nine hundred dollar Uber drive. You would rather. I would have, have. done. Yeah. That. So Tom, you've flown a lot. I mean, what's your what's your most well, harrowing he, experience he, in the air? Dan, even though we've known each other for a long time now, yeah. and I've spent more time than I'd care to with. You, of course, yeah, I feel the same way. You don't know this about me, but I love flying so much that I, you know, I started taking flying lessons, and I've flown my whole life in small planes, and I have like sixty hours of of flight time in a small plane. You so I have no, me solo. So I soloed uh, oh, it at a Santa Monica airport one day before work when I was working at Everest Raymond. I drove to Santa Monica airport, did my solos, and then drove to work, and it was like a not you know so. My bad flight story is kind of the opposite in that it's a bad flight, but it wasn't It's because I'm so calm. It's not like I don't get scared. It's just that I know, fly, you know, there's not that much mystery in what happens. But my friend who you've met and spent time with, who sounds a little bit like this, uh, Ray hates flying with such a passion and is fearful of dying all the time. Are we talking about, can flight. I say the person's name or no? Didn't I just say Ray? Well, Ray, say Ray? Ray. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Ray so, Romano. Yeah. Ray so, Romano. so who was? Yes. Yeah, so who was a close friend of mine since before I was Raymond, and I know him because yes. it's funny when I hear when I read some comments when I go on, when I drag him to a podcast. Yeah. Like you're like, you you he, interviewed him. He was on him. my he was on my he was actually on my Sirius XM show. Sure. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But when I hear the comments about you know it, it's weird when you're friends with somebody forever and then they become famous and then people endow like you're hanging you're all these you know type of things so Ray I mentioned because we are very close friends and we flew a lot and so one time we're on a flight and he hates to fly period there's he's always afraid of everything uh, once we're we're doing the gig you know we do stand up and we're doing a private gig in Phoenix and. We're gonna stay overnight. Then we then we have to catch a crazy five a.m. flight, and then we have to go right to a table read. At, so it's really hard. And while we're at the gig, a guy goes, uh, "Yeah, you know my flight tonight back to Los Angeles." We're like, "Wait a minute, you're flying back? Like we could sleep in our own beds tonight?" And he's like, "Yeah, there's a whatever." We're like, well, why didn't why didn't Ray's agent book that flight? Why do we have to spend the night? Get up at four a.m. Do this. Let's get on that flight. We get on the flight. Dan, from the time we take off. Until the time we land, which is about an hour, I guess. An hour. It is the worst turbulence I've ever experienced. Oh my god! And I'm sitting there, you know, casually doing stuff, but it's shake. It's shaking like there's no service the entire time. There's and no. What drink is Ray in. doing while this is going? Ray on? is going like this as he's gripping. You know, he's trying to squeeze <laughs> through the armrest. He's going, Tom, you motherfucker! I can't believe. Why did we switch flight the entire time? He's just complaining. He's even saying the flight attendant, "Aren't you afraid of it at all?" <laughs> and so it was. And and so then I had one. So you know, obviously we landed. It was fine, but it was an uncomfortable flight. Like it's not like sure. I'm not you know uh, enjoying being bounced. Not like I'm enjoying being bounced around. Another time, Ray and I flying into JFK. Uh, we go down. You don't. Uh, there's something that you do when you're training to be a pilot, which is called touch and goes, which is just to get in landings and takeoffs. Is like yeah. you you hit the runway and then and you go back up. Go back up. 
that's what you do in a Cessna 172 a lot. You generally don't do it in a 727 or 7, you know, uh, 47. But we're on like a or the Air Max. Yes. Too soon. Yeah, yeah. Too soon. Yeah. Well, it I think down, it's already too old. I think it's too old a reference sure. to get a laugh. Yeah. Mackenzie's nodded off on that yeah, joke. Yeah, she did. So, um, uh, too too distasteful, Dan. So we're flying into JFK, giant jet. We're flying. It's crazy windy. We go down uh, to land, and then we're almost at the end of runway, and full throttle, and we're up again. <laughs> and then because we're back up in the air again and in the pattern, they have to cut the throttles completely. And so, not completely, but they. Turn, so all of a sudden you're like as fast as you can and then pull back throttle to slow down the plane because we're now in the traffic pattern again. And all of a sudden Ray's just like, this is it, this is it. <laughs> and it, because it is a dramatic oh, thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, what's amazing about flying is, you know, this idea that the plane, somehow the plane's secure position in the air is related to the amount of rigidity you can hold in your own body. You know, I, I always, I, sometimes I'll be on there, I'm like, why am, because, you know, your whole body, if I just don't, move do you ever feel like if i don't move <laughs> if i move maybe i throw the balance off yeah, on this yeah, and sure. the whole thing just Anything, goes out yeah any type of, well you know, you know ray goes into the bathroom and pretends he's on a train he does that, that's what he does on a plane to make himself not freak out is he goes <laughs> in the bathroom pretends he's on a train it sounds like he's going to be at this is he ray going to be one of these guys that's one day just going to decide i'm not flying anymore because he doesn't really need to. Well, Where does he, he need to go? He doesn't here, need to go anywhere. Here's what he has. He has the luxury of making a few dollars on yep. a show, network show. Mm -hmm. And so he has not flown commercial since 2001. Oh. And what that gives you is the psychology of, like, you you stiffen up your body on your Southwest flight to Vegas and go, okay, if I just do this, the plane won't go down. He has the benefit, which he's never used, of going to the pilot and saying, land right now. Like the Dan Dunn, like Dan Dunn would have done going to Oakland, he would have said, just put the plane down. I don't care if we're in a pasture. Get us out of this cloud. He, so just that thought that you have control, which he's never had to do, that – so, yes, he'll, okay. he will – but, yeah, I could see that point where it's like, you know, there are, there are stars. Like who – doesn't John Madden, didn't he take a – uh, John over. Madden, yeah, Tony Kornheiser, who was on, uh, you know, pardon the interruption on ESPN. He was Monday Night Football guy. He quit Monday Night Football because he he didn't wouldn't fly anymore. He just gave up. Couldn't do it anymore. And, yeah. Uh, anyway, we're the odds. But the, let's if you start playing logic, the odds are like They're, you you going back home to your to your castle over on the west side. For, yeah. By the way, better chance I'm going to be um, yes attacked by. Um, wolves. Yeah. Then, way back, then, then we're, we're crashing that plane. And also, Dan, I also think your audience, which is worldwide. Yes. So when you say Oakland and up here, you know, nobody even knows the geography. That's why I try to throw in two hour flight or one hour flight yeah. just because, you know, yeah, the well, locals. Are, I mean, my, I'm a huge, I'm big in Japan. Can I see? I'm a huge um, aviation buff. So, yeah, this is, so yeah, let me, let me tell you a little bit about this Bentwig brandy. And I, I do need to say, I've forgiven the people from Bentwig for almost killing me up there. I've forgiven them. Uh, I like uh, Hangar One. It's made by Hangar One. I told you, uh, the the the, ma the master distiller there, the head distiller, her name's Kaylee Shoemaker, and she oversees all phases of production, not only on the vodka but the brandy. Uh, and you know what's cool about it, Tom? Let's face it, the spirits uh, business has been dominated by men forever, right? Men, and 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 thankfully, and long overdue, that's starting to change, and you're getting people like Kaylee. Women in positions of of uh, running the show, and you're starting to see that more and more. And she's one of a handful of female distil distillers in the United States to lead a major 
American spirits. Brand I do know uh, Vauve Clicquot, and if I'm saying it correctly, because I'm from Jersey and you're from yeah. Philly, so all the French. Should I, think, be... I believe it's Vauve Clicquot. Okay, let me squeegee off Needs my more face. Phlegm in let there. me let me squeegee off my face from yeah. that pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think the the master blender from Remy Martin was, if not still, yeah. a woman. Yeah. So and then recently uh, Pam Heilman at, at Michter's. I mean, they're out there. Yeah. But Kaylee's Kaylee's young. She's great. She came from Stranahan's whiskey, which oh. is a great uh, craft whiskey from Colorado. Came there. Went. She's kind of a nerd, spirits nerd, but a badass, and she's making it. Okay. So, and a badass, not and a, and a yeah. badass. By the way, can I describe the bottle? Describe the bottle because as yeah. an aviation buff, it's a beautiful bottle. It's got a slightly, um, it's a classic shaped bottle. It's um, got a flared out bottom, which gives it a little bit more stability. Yeah. Right? I have on a your... flared out bottom too these days. Yeah. Is this a is this a you eat too much pie? I need to stop with the pizza. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it, well, don't stop with the alcohol. Yes. That's your, that's, <laughs> that's your. That doesn't cause you to get those empty calories okay, yeah. are what you pays your bill. But uh, there's an airplane on the um, label, and it says bent wing, and there's a there's a couple of uh, different views of the airplane around the neck of the bottle. It's a beautiful. Well, bottle. and so why that why that is, Tom, is it be the, the, before the they're on Alameda Island. That's where Hangar One is, and before they were used to to be a distillery, those hangars were how, uh, how some of the Navy's top flights, uh, flying machines, including the Vought, Vought Corsair. Yeah. The Corsair was uh, the Bentwing Bird was the name of it. Uh, it's one of the most iconic fighting planes of World War II. If you've ever watched a World War II documentary, you've seen this plane. In the Pacific. It, in the Pacific. It was also known as Whistling Death. And where that came from is, and Tom, you being a pilot, you'll get this. I'm actually just reading it off my notes. Uh, so the intake for the aircraft's turbo supercharger, uh, the intercooler and the oil cooler were located in slots in the inboard leading edges of the wings, okay? And the air that runs through those slots at high speed gave the aircraft a very distinctive sound. And the Japanese tagged the fighter with that moniker, Whistling Death. Which is very ominous. But yeah. this is the Pappy Boynton flew these in uh, his uh, Baba Black Sheep Squadron based in the Pacific, which they did a TV show in the mid-70s. So Check out it's the a, big brain on time. Yeah, so, so it's a, well, I've read a book yeah. I've, besides the back of uh, booze bottles like you. <laughs> That's where I got Dan. all my information <laughs> from the bottle. Well, by the way, the Whistling Death was very effective, okay? Uh, staggeringly effective. They flew more than 64,000 sorties. Sorties, Back to French. Uh, and they, they counted for over 2,100 victories in air combat with only 189 losses. That means their kill ratio was more than 11 to 1, which is kind of what yours was in comedy clubs. Mm. Right? I was going to say yours yeah. in uh, in nightclubs with women. Yeah. No. Um, but you, the, uh, you, did you, would you say you kill most times in comedy clubs, or would you say you're— After the first two years is more. And, and killing is a very relative— you bombed term. in the beginning. Not bomb. You struggle through it. I've only bombed. I, I would say I've bombed twenty times in you know five thousand shows. B- bombed where you go. I'm. This is terrible. Like this is terrible. And flop sweat. And I'm in trouble. You know. I just uh, opened for Ray and Dana Carvey in Vegas in front of twelve hundred people, uh, and it was a beautiful experience. And I was thinking because the crowd is just. You know, super pumped up, and then you go, and then and then a week later, I did a really small club uh, with like nine people, and 
you know, I think I got two chuckles. <laughs> and so it's, yeah. Well, and, you know, and that's, I've heard professional, like famous comedians talk about that. Is it, it is easier for them because the people are already ready to laugh. When Jerry Seinfeld walks on the stage, they're primed to laugh. When Ray walks on the stage, they're primed to laugh. When you walk on the stage, they're, who is that? Walking out. Who's yeah. that guy? Um, well, I would say this, though. You, you still have to keep the audience. Because I, even I've seen, you know, uh, Shandling a couple times. I opened for Gary Shandling, and he was trying to break this ton to of stuff. Done, but he's, he's no longer with us. What? What? Yeah, Maybe sorry. he went on the longer flight Here, from Oakland. Want, would you like some more uh, brandy? Yeah, I need brandy? a glass. Would you like a straight brandy? Yeah, yeah. So I need a glass, and I'm going to do this. Can I dump this into yours or yours yeah. into mine? Yeah. I didn't bring, yeah. And so, the, but, but, by the way, the Corsair is just a beautiful, beautiful airplane. And it has a bent wing. That's yes. why it's, so the wing looks sort of like a V almost. Correct. Yeah. I don't know how the hell it flies with yeah. like that, but uh, it does. Well, it's hard to land on carriers because of visibility problems because the wings were impeding the, the pilot. But it's a beautiful, and they're usually like a dark blue hue. Yeah. It's a beautiful looking airplane. Okay, so. And that's what the brandy's named after. And and by the way, Bentwig, the brandy, so you know, uh, it's it's a it's a blend of French brandy and 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 then a blend of uh, brandy made in California, okay? And um, I guess this kind of brings us to, Tom, do you know what brandy is, Tom? Um, it's a spirit made of grapes. It's distilled and then aged in oak barrels and in... <laughs> Cognac region. It's aged in limousine. You're close. Barrows. You're close. And and for the most part, it's the so wine. brandy's named for brandy wine, which it meant burned wine. Burned wine. Okay, it's a spirit distilled from wine, but it can also be distilled from other fruits. Mm. Okay, so apples, for instance, or Calvados. You know, uh, uh, it can be made with cherries, apples, apricots, but for the most part, it's made with grapes. And uh, you know, the most famous brandy is probably cognac. Okay, and cognac is made in France by law. It can only be called cognac if it's made in the cognac region of France. Then there's Armagnac, another French brandy. Same deal. It's got to be made in the same area. This is made in Gascony. Then we've got Spanish brandy. Guess where that's made? Can I get back to you? Yeah, get back to me on that. And uh, I love Spanish brandy, by the way. Spanish brandy Delicious. is great. And then Pisco. Pisco's brandy from South America, uh, made in Peru and Chile. Uh, there's a new one coming down the pike, and we're going to actually have him on the show soon. Steven Soderberg, the director, it's called Singani. Singani is Bolivian brandy, and Steven has worked a long time to get that, bring that to the United States. We're going to have him on what an upcoming show. What is that made with? What is the Name base? Drop. What um, is the main? Singani's grape, made with grape. grape. Yeah, it's made with grape. It's Bolivian. Is no it one clear? Ever... Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so it's, it's more beautiful. like Pisco yeah. than. Oh, it's so good. And then we got American brandy. And the reason it's American brandy is there simply isn't a designation yet for it, and that's what Bentwig would fall into. Are you going to drink some of this? Yeah, neat? Bentwig. I'm going to. I'm going to get try. in there. Neat. Can I? Sm- yeah. Can I nose it and nose it? Here's a. Can I ask you, Dan? How much? I know that you were on a press trip, so you didn't purchase this bottle. But w- what are we talking to buy this bottle? That's a good question, Tom. Um, let me, let me here's look my that get- up while you're while you're while you're while you're, while you're doing your thing. Well, here's here's the. Well, so I'm going to smell it a little bit, and I'm drinking it out of a. Uh, season 22 premiere party of The Simpsons <laughs> class, <laughs> which, hold on, let me see. So, uh, yeah. Um, I, I don't want to be pompous, but it smells, I'm getting hints of delicious. You like so, it? So, yeah. You're digging it. That's it, Tom. Get in there. Get in there. Taste. It's uh, 30 bucks a bottle. And it's at 80 proof, which is where most brandies are. Yeah. You know, uh, 30 bucks a bottle. Here's the thing. I think there's a, connotation to brandy 
where younger drinkers think brandy. Pompous, that sounds like old people man. they yeah. drink at the, the Carlisle in New York. Yeah. But that's just not true. Like it, it, it's it's such a it's a foundation for a, a number of great drinks. You can drink it neat. I'm telling you, brandy is having a moment, and uh, and I'm glad to be part of that moment. Well, here, Dan, th- this is my take because I do I do love brandy. If you and there's been shows where I'm like, hey, can I? I'd love to do a show with this spirit. Brandy is such a misunderstood spirit. So I'm glad to hear that this is thirty dollars a bottle. Thirty bucks delicious. a bottle. You can get it. It's made. It's made right here in California. Blend of French and California. Brandies. Now, why do they do? Did they tell you? By the way, the 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 um, bottle also has graduations on it, so you can see how many milliliters you've tanked. You've down already tracked it. And yeah. Tom and I are halfway through the bottle already. Yes. Nice, nice job, man. No, but I I haven't heard of a French and American blend uh, for brandies because there are some American brandies. There are some American brandies. You're right. I, I haven't heard of one either that's doing this, and so we'll find out. Kudos to Hangar One again, forgiven. For nearly killing me, and I was hoping it would go the other way, Dan. I don't mean to be hold a grudge. <laughs> no, I was hoping that you wouldn't make it, so I could, <laughs> oh, you so bastard. I could take. Yeah. Oh, sorry. All right. Was well, that, that seems like a good segue to our to our final segment. You can stick around for this one, Tom. Sure. This is our seg- uh, a little segment we do on the show to wrap things up called "What's Driving Me to Drink." Okay, what's driving me to drink, Tom? Is flying, obviously, and um, most people think flying in a post nine eleven world sucks donkey balls but my recent harrowing experience notwithstanding I'm, I'm more along the lines of you i i uh i beg you know i think i like to fly yeah and as a seasoned jet setter who still actually enjoys commercial air travel i think i'm part of a dying breed uh and i think it's because my uh, my capacity to derive pleasure from circumstances other people deem intolerable and that can be traced directly to my uh, close personal relationship with alcohol Booze has amazing power to take the sting out of endless delays, mile-long security lines, and hours spent 35,000 feet in the air in a pressurized, germ-filled death trap. That's what they are, right, Tom? Planes? And they're packed with disgruntled airline employees and edgy civilians. As with most things in life, when it comes to flying, the difference between enjoyable and unbearable is all in the execution. And by execution, I mean drinking. Thankfully, the air travel experience is designed to offer myriad opportunities to numb the stress and anxiety of flying with alcohol. The trick, of course, is to drink enough to forget about the fact that you're 35,000 feet in the air in that germ-filled death trap, but not get so blotto that you lose your luggage, vomit on your seatmate, or board the wrong plane, and end up in some remote, frightening destination like where, Tom? Milwaukee? I I was going to say Irvine. Irvine, yeah. But lucky for you, Ever, my many travels as a booze columnist may not have made me any more cultured or well-rounded a human being, they sure as hell made me a bonafide expert at drinking while airborne. Henceforth, I bequeath to you my time-tested strategies for maintaining the perfect buzz for the duration of the air travel experience. We're going to start, Tom, at the terminal. The first thing you need to know when you arrive at the terminal is rank your pre-flight worry on a scale of one to five. A one means you're slightly apprehensive. A five means... I don't know. You'd rather have unprotected sex with Charlie Sheen than get on that plane. Wow. Okay, yeah. Wow. Too soon? Didn't see that going there. Uh, This number also happens to be the number of beverages you should order at the bar near your departure gate, okay? I find that a couple glasses of wine will take the edge off nicely, but if you're not a wine person, beer works too. Stay away from anything sweet, fruity, or liable to make your breath smell 
like the bathroom at Grand Central Station, Tom. Speaking of which, you need a mint? Here you go. <laughs> By the way, when was the last time you were at a bathroom in Grand Central Station, Oh, Dan? I go there. <laughs> I know to meet girls. Meet but, friend, I mean, yeah. girls. What are you talking about? Oh, no, sorry. Meet, meet, uh, Didn't mean uh, to be a, uh, make meet, assumptions. Yeah, make some... Tom, hey, take your preconceived notions of who I am and... Yeah. Check them. No, very small. Check them. Very small. Small airplane reference there. Uh, and one other thing, Tom. Uh, just we're clear on this. There is no inappropriate time to drink at an airport. Care if your flight's at seven a.m. The bar's open. It's not too early, and everyone knows that airports exist in their own time zone. And as far as I'm concerned, Tom, you know what time zone that is? Happy drink. hour. Happy hour. <laughs> Happy hour. Uh, and then hopefully you're traveling business class uh, or private like Ray, in which case there'll be warm nuts waiting for you when you get in. And don't warm nuts just make everything better, Tom? Warm. You, you speaking of the bathroom, probably, yeah. speaking of the bathroom <laughs> at Grand Central Station. All right, now we're moving on to boarding the plane. And the most critical part of boarding, especially if you scored high on step one, is not to exhibit any behavior that might Draw the attention of a stewardess prior to taking off. Examples include slurring, drooling, flatulence, dropping your carry-on bag on another passenger's head, off-color remarks about warm nuts, and of course, using the word stewardess. Stewardess. Boy, Dan, I feel bad. I almost jumped on your I knew you were going to jump on that joke, yeah. Uh, (laughs) By the way, the dude dude stewardesses are particularly sensitive about that one. Okay, so uh, just remember, most airline personnel are criminally underpaid and terminally unhappy. See what I did there? Terminally? Yeah, no, I see the use of words. That's why they hate me. Uh, Also, the overwhelming majority of them are fully aware that they've been deputized by the U.S. government to forcibly remove anyone from the plane who pisses them off. So you don't want to become the focus of their ire, because if you do, you may never associate the word cavity with dentistry again. Nice. Uh, and you know about that. Nice. Uh, so anyway, you read your magazine, pretend to be normal until they shut the cabin door. Once that happens, they're stuck with you. Okay? So now you got beverage service. So assuming you've handled your liquor well, you'll get airborne and you'll graduate. This is the best part. You know, the drinks cart. Uh, so when you're ordering, a number of variables need to be considered. Is it before 10 a.m.? What would you do? I, I Probably a Bloody Mary. It'll get you 30% less stink eye than a triple tequila. Uh, the general rule when en route to a business meeting is to stick with Jack and Coke. Won't make you as drowsy as wine or beer. Of course, but you get the there are professions where people wouldn't notice, I guess, that you're drowsy, you know, like medical equipment sales or accounting or something. But um, if you're heading to be- uh, Vegas for a bachelor party, you, you've you been to a few of those, right? Sure, I've performed that. Uh, you get enough. I think you got to pack in vodka and Red Bull with some sugar cubes. You know, give your central nervous system a preview of what's in store for the next forty-eight hours. Uh, oh, and then on the way back from Vegas, uh, just a couple of beers to settle into that touch of a nap feeling. Okay, and then uh, if you're going to see relatives, Tom, you just had a, a child yourself, right? I believe I did. You just had a child. So have you traveled with this? Yes. Young yes. little little being. Now? Yes. Um, what do you do? What do you drink? Xanax and scotch? What do you, what do you do? I give that to him. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> and then I enjoy sleeping, catching up on sleep. Cause if you're doing the Xanax and scotch, then oh. you, then you got to let him drive when you get there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that, yeah. You know, that, uh, they still that put through. booster seats in the rental cars. They have them. Yeah. Yeah. Children. Yeah. It's, it's called a law. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the trickiest part is layovers 
that's probably the trickiest part of flying because if you overdo it on the initial leg, oh. you know, it can mess you up. And then you you don't want to go from being drunk to sober to hungover to drunk again. It's bad. Uh, even when you're not even there yet. Okay. So, uh, so for God's sake, you got to pace yourself, Tom. That's what I'm telling you. At the end of the day, what I say always on what we're drinking with Dan Dunn is pace yourself. By the way, Dan, I don't want. Let me know when you're done with this rant because I am enjoying. Right. It. Okay, because yeah. I do. I do now have a flying drinking story. Is I was on um, a 13 hour flight to Tokyo, and I was in coach. It was. A, I had to book a flight the day before I left. Okay, and I was in coach, and I was in middle seat. I'm six foot four. Middle seat on JAL Japanese Airlines, which is not built for yeah. basketball players. And so, uh, but to my right was the lighting director for Megadeth. And the entire band, the entire show for Megadeth was on this jumbo jet, but you were sitting in your ranking. So the band was way up in front for, getting yeah. feet massages, right? And I'm with the lighting director, which is note, note, don't become, become a lead singer, don't become a lighting director. Sure. But he says to me, because he goes, and he was a really nice guy, you know, big, big guy, Cargo, I remember, uh, camouflage cargo shorts. Okay. Uh, he goes, listen, and he sees I'm squeezed in. I mean, it's, and I'm on 13 hours. I mean, it's a torture. He goes, listen, if you want to sleep on my shoulder, yeah, go ahead. He goes, and I said, oh, are you, you know, he goes, let me tell you how you travel, all right? First thing you do, you get the blanket, you fold it up, you put it under your ass. Then before you get in the air, though, you have five vodkas. You get on the plane, okay, and you're going to wake up about five hours in. You wake up, you have six beers. He goes, they're free on international flights, okay, and one Ambien. When you wake up, you will feel great. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to drink any, like I don't, whatever. It was torturous for me. He's asleep most of the flight. We get to Tokyo. He's there, you know, getting together. I, I look like a zombie, and he looks like he's just come from a spa. And he was, it was the best advice because he was a seat, and they were going to Thailand. He wasn't even, he was just a layover in Tokyo. So that, that's incredible. Mackenzie, note to Mackenzie, can you get this guy on the show? We need to book this guy. <laughs> the lighting director for Megadeth. The lighting director for, Megadeth. Director yeah. for Me- Megadeth and Steven Soderbergh coming up <laughs> on a few. And I guess with that, friends, now that we've learned how to drink and fly, yes. we've learned about Bentwing Brandy, we've learned about Tom Caltabiano, we've learned that Ray Romano is a bad flyer, we've learned a Terrible lot of flyer, things yeah. on this episode, and if you need a recap of that stuff, uh, just go to donetheimbiber.com, I'm going to have the wines up that I recommended, recipes, stuff about bread. I'm even going to post a little documentary about the Corsair, about the plane, oh. I'm going to put that on the website. Dan, can I, can I ask you this on air, yes. so to speak, so you can't... Can I have this bottle of Bentwing? It's that so unbelievably delicious. Tom, you can have it. That's that's our gift to you that for, is for spending this, two this time with us. Was it, it two and a half hours? It no, felt, it felt okay. It yeah. felt like it. Um, so again, go to donetheimbiber.com. Also check out my Instagram, at the Imbiber. You can follow me there. If you've got questions, comments, hit me up. We can talk about it on the show. Uh, anything else you want to add, Tom, before we get out of here? Before no, we, I really before love- Before we slam these Negronis and Dan, get out of here. Yeah. I've taken a couple of beautiful pictures of the bottle yeah. and uh, as good as I could get of you talking. Right. So can I, do you have a, a uh, Instagram? I do. Yet? At, okay. At the Imbiber. Oh, at my, the Imbiber. My, my, oh, okay. Your personal, personal one. Yeah. I, I, I want, don't know. Yeah. I want people to feel like they're in my life. By the way, can I tell you, Dan, just Up because I- Up in my I've, shit. Yes. I've never, I've never told you this, and this isn't a confession of love that I've hold, yeah. held for you, but- 
you're a giant player in the booze industry, and I you've am. been around forever. And so I would see you at the Spirit Awards. I'm the Awards. lighting man of Megadeth of the <laughs> booze industry. That's Boy, how that, important I wait, am. Wait, let me get out the whiteboard <laughs> and try and do that math to get you're, to what that means. No, you're the lighting man of Megadeth. Yes. I'm Dave Mustaine. Yeah, is you're he, Dave is Mustaine. He, is he yeah, the, yeah, he's yeah. the lead singer of Megadeth, right? I didn't even yeah. look that up. Well, there's a feud of yeah Megadeth and uh, what is the other group that where he someone got kicked Motorhead. out? Motorhead. No, oh, oh no. no. Well, Meg, he was in he was in Metallica. Metallica. That's yes. it. Yes. And by the way, we will also. And I'm not making this up. I am yeah. not making this up. We did not plan this. We will in a future show have Lars Ulrich of Metallica that has been promised to me by the band themselves to talk about blackened whiskey, which is Metallica's whiskey. That's going to be coming up can in the future. Can I yeah. come to take photos you of that? You can come to take photos of that. We'll probably be at Lars's house or something. I but think that's a bold-faced lie, but no, I'm going to... it's true. Hold you're not going to get that big of a guess. You can hold me to it. Can I tell you something, Dan? In the order, in the pecking order, because I'm a little bit in show business, yeah. in the pecking order of all things in the world that makes you famous, yeah. number one to me... Rockstar. Rockstar. There is nothing bigger no. than Rockstar because you have to, you know, you could be on a, on a on a show as a kid and become famous on a TV show and never Rockstar is the top of the pyramid. There right. is nothing bigger. Okay, Tom, I wasn't going to do this and I'm going to blow your mind. Yeah. Also coming up on a future episode, Bono. How many more lies do you think that, that right, Mackenzie's going to have to witness? Probably a lie. She's going to cut that out. Just take that one out. I don't Mackenzie. Sued. And isn't Mackenzie Irish? Mackenzie or is it Scottish. It's Irish. She's Irish. And isn't Bono Irish? That's how we're getting it. And isn't Dan Dunn? They all know each other. Dan Dunn is Irish. Dan Dunn, for the love of sweet suffering Jesus. All right, Tom, we got to get out of here. Uh, I want to thank Tom Caltabiano uh, for joining us today and Ben Wig and McKenzie. And thank you, of course. And uh, until next time, I'm Dan Dunn reminding you that if you can't say something nice, say something clever but devastating. Ooh.